Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle Podcast. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. With me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zones, Brian King. Also tonight, we're joined by Kevin Adams and Brett Ebert. Tonight's debate is going to be different than all our prior shows. There's going to be no winner. And that's never happened before in the history of Legacy Battle. So we've each picked what we believe is the biggest what if in sports. And what if is a topic that has come up so many times on this show. So tonight, we're finally going to talk it out, debate it out, and, and see what we can come up with here in, in these conversations. Uh, and we're also, at the end, we're going to briefly each discuss another what if that we felt was a, a strong contender and an honorable mention. So um, the order tonight, we're going to be starting off with Kevin. Kevin, what is your what if? Uh, so can I just go straight into my whole segment here? Yeah. All right. So I'm uh, I'm taking us back to 2003. Uh, Chicago Cubs uh, entering their 132nd season uh, for their franchise, 128th in the National League, and 88th at the legendary uh, Wrigley Field. Um, you know that year they were off to a great start, um, finishing the the Central Division for the National League. Uh, in first place with a record of 88 and 74, first round of the playoffs, they uh, beat Chicago or they beat Atlanta, um, and then they went into the second round uh, to go to the World Series. Um, they faced off against uh, the Florida Marlins. Uh, Marlins ended up winning the championship that year, um, but there was a what if moment. Uh, in one of the games um, that potentially could have. Well, it would have moved them to the finals. Um, and I'm going to show you guys a little clip here of what the what if uh, I'm going to be talking about is. Just couldn't help himself. Kevin, that, that, that video comes to us from SI.com, and we do not own rights to that video, um, but that is from SI.com, um, and it's a video that was on YouTube as well. So, the Stephen Bartman incident is my what if. What if Stephen Bartman didn't interfere with that play? Would Moises Salou have caught that ball? If you look at that video, it's clear as day. He definitely would have caught that ball. That ball was landing in his glove. And at that game, it was game six, eighth inning. They had one out already in that game. They were leading 3 nothing in that game. And they had a three-game to two lead in the series. And that catch would have given them out two. Now, there's some people that argue that that wasn't the, the main issue of why they lost that game. Uh, Alex Gonzalez made a, a serious error. Um, 
later in that inning, which caused five unearned runs. But the Cubs were first in their division. They were ready to go to the finals, and this was the game that was going to put them there. And Bartman uh, interfered with that play, and Moises Lou was definitely going to catch that ball. Okay. Well, what do you, uh, Brian, what do you think would have happened if that play didn't happen? Well, I mean, I think there's a good chance, you know, of course, like uh, Kevin said, that the Cubs go on to win that um, that game, and that would have eliminated the Marlins, obviously. Then you have to wonder, the Marlins won the World Series in 2003, and then another year passed, and then in 2005, they had a massive fire sale where, I mean, just any – any asset that the franchise owned, they just got rid of. And so Josh Beckett, um, Josh Beckett is one of them. Yeah. yeah. And so you have to wonder, does that fire sale happen? Um, if this play doesn't happen, it's hard to say because it, it seemed like the fire sale was kind of justified by the owner because they had won the world series, but had they not won the world series, are they still hungry? It's hard to say. So it's, it's, it's a quality. What if um, not only because of what would have happened with the Cubs, you know, a chance to break that, that, what was a hundred and something odd, odd year streak of not winning the world series, but also what it did to the Marlins franchise as well. That's true. Um, I, I'm going to take a different route here. I'm going to say the Cubs, they just weren't that good. They only won um, 88 games that year. That usually doesn't even get you into the playoffs, 88 games. Usually it's 90 plus to get into the playoffs. Um, the year before, that they only won 67 games in the years following yeah they won 89 the next season but then they only won 79 and 66 so it's not like this team was stacked they had a nice run that year they made some deadline acquisitions and bringing in Kenny Lofton of course and Aramis Ramirez pretty much uh taking the the last strain of life out of the Pittsburgh Pirates on that trade <laughs> but uh I just don't think they were that good and uh I really think it uh it was the, the the curse of the Billy Goat. That's that's what I'm going with. What about you, Brett? Hey, hey you know, that that's one of the most infamous scenes for one of the loneliest fans in the history of sports to be sitting in that seat, everybody's eyes on you. I mean, just that picture speaks a thousand words when he's sitting there by himself with his headphones on. Um, and the poor guy had to, like, disappear. But I think I think it's a little crazy to blame – a game that this wasn't a third out of ninth inning. This, I mean, this wasn't like the end of the game. So I think it's kind of tough to blame it all on one guy. And as Kevin said, they, they had made uh, what was Alex Gonzalez had made an error, a really big one that ended up scoring, I think like three runs in that inning. Five um, they on also, the yeah, five on. Yeah. And then they also had, they had uh, intentionally walked uh, two players in that inning early on that eventually ended up scoring as well. So I think the Cubs just kind of imploded. Now, does that play, you know, play a factor in their inning implosion? Possibly. I mean, it, it got emotions high and it maybe got them off their game. Maybe that's why Alex Gonzalez was, uh, you know, made that error. Who knows? Never really know. But um, I think it's kind of hard to blame it on just that one fan and that one play. Kevin, well, we can argue, though, that, you know, Sports is a very highly mental game. And, you know, we've had in our hockey games, we've had calls not go our way. And then we've our team self-imploded. You know, it's the mental part of the game. And I think this this play 
completely got to the Cubs mental mentally and they just couldn't recover. And then as you see the air there um, by Alex Gonzalez and they just kind of fell off the, the wagon there. Um, and then uh, the next day they lost game seven. So from the what if aspect of it, Kevin, since it's your topic, had it not happened, do they win that series? And do they also go on and win the World Series, which would have been, was I believe that was the Yankees that year with the Marlins team? Are they so, taking out Derek Jeter and company? So the that play, it definitely changed the dynamics of that inning. More people were on base. They needed to get two outs at that point. They were up 3 nothing. And that play led to the demise. It, it kept more base runners on. It advanced the base runners. Um, and I think just mentally, it, it I think it did affect them. I think they probably would have won that game because now you have the whole stadium uh, up in an uproar as well. And I feel like that one play, I, I'm not saying it's the only reason, but I'm saying it definitely contributed to the other factors of why they ended up losing the lead and losing that game. And I think they would have won that game, which ultimately would have won the series for them. So, yes, I, I do think if he did not interfere with that, the whole dynamic of the game would have been different. And I guarantee you they probably would have won that game. Okay. Yeah, but I think the question is, is do they go on and do they, do they beat the Yankees the same way that the Marlins did? I mean, I, you know, maybe the matchups is not quite as good. I, don't, I, I really don't know. I mean, maybe they do go and, and they beat the Yankees. Maybe the Yankees just weren't quite um, – you know, as, as strong as they were in years, you know, after that. But it, it's t it's tough to just point to this one play and say, well, that's it. They would have been champions if this didn't happen. They, they still. Uh, have not, I didn't. I didn't necessarily say they're going to be champions. I think they would have won that game, which mm -hmm. also would have sent them to the World Series and had had a chance to beat the the um the Yankees. I mean, look at the Marlins. I mean, they had ten less wins, I think, than than the Yankees did, and they ended up going in there and, and beating them. Uh, Yankees had home field advantage. Um, the, the playoffs is a completely different atmosphere in, in every sport. Any team could rise above and beat any other team in the playoffs because it, it's like you start over, your adrenaline's pumping. It's a whole new atmosphere. Um, people usually rise to their best playing ability in the playoffs. And, I mean, the Marlins weren't any better than the Cubs, and the Marlins beat them. So, I mean, could they have beaten them? Yeah, they could have. Well, I think we can – I think we can all just agree that uh, it was the Marlins' destiny that year. I think we can all agree to that, the way things okay. fell upon down. So, Brett, let's uh, let's move on to you. You're up next. What is okay. your what if? All right. Um, so tonight I'm going to be talking about uh, his airness, Michael Jordan. Um, before I get into, you know, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Um, you know, I know that's going to sting a little bit of LeBron fans that might watch this, but that's okay. You're allowed to have your opinion. Um, but my what if is going to be what if Michael Jordan did not retire in 1993? Uh, what could the Bulls have pulled off uh, in the years to come? What could Michael Jordan have pulled off in the years to come? Um, and you know we could we could go over Michael Jordan's stats and records and awards, but that would, that could take a whole show if we really started to go over that. So we'll just kind of focus on some of the key points here. Um, but you know he played 15 NBA seasons, obviously most with the Bulls, Chicago Bulls, a little bit with the Wizards. 
Um, he had six NBA championships, all of them that were with the Bulls. Uh, but the key point here is, obviously, he won three in a row uh, with the Bulls from 1991 to 1993. Obviously, we know the great players that he played with, the Scottie Pippins, the Steve Kerr. Um, we could even, you know, if we really want to talk about it later on when he returned, Rodman and everything else. But uh, what was it? Tony Kukoc, right? Another one of the players on there. Kukoc was the later years. Horace Grant was on the early years. Horace Grant. Was, yeah, there yeah. we go. So. Um, so, yeah, but he, you know, wins three titles at the prime of his career uh, at the prime age of 30. And then uh, after the 93 season, he abruptly retires uh, for two years. Now, there's a lot of rumors that go around about why he retired. Um, you know, some say it was because of his gambling problem and uh, the commissioner at the time, David Stern, I believe it was, yeah, uh, yeah. was kind of suspending him without suspending him. Um, but, you know, to touch on a funny point, I've actually seen him gamble here at the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. And I've seen him put like $10,000 per hand on blackjack. And it's just unreal. It was him and Warren Sapp were there together. That was side that's, note. That's 10 bucks to him. <laughs> I know. That's actually, that's true. That's true. Uh, I think more so, I don't know if I believe the gambling. I think it was more of his mental state after uh, his father was murdered uh, that year, you know, and just kind of took effect to him. And he just was tired from three NBA runs, uh, NBA title runs. So, Took the he retired, went to baseball right there. You see it behind Mike there. He's uh, played for the White Sox. Obviously, we know he was kind of subpar, didn't really do that well. Uh, was not that double sport athlete like some of the others. But going back to my what if, and this is where we get into it. We talk about what if Michael Jordan played in those two seasons after he his first retirement. What could the Bulls have done? Now, mind you, the Bulls won three in a row. And those two years he was retired, the Bulls made the playoffs. Scottie Pippen really flourished uh, when, you know, when Jordan wasn't there. They made the playoffs, but obviously they did not make uh, the finals or win any championships. I believe if you put Jordan back on that team, they win the championship both years. That's my argument. And then you go into the fact that after he came back from his retirement, they won three more. So now you're talking about, eight championships in a row, which ties the, the Boston Celtics from, I think, the 60s for the most titles in a row, which obviously I don't think will ever be matched again the history of the NBA. Uh, it's just a different league nowadays. Um, but that not only, you know, it gives them the eight titles in a row, but it was also shown that if Jordan was to have played uh, without retiring from, for those two years and obviously his retirement in, what, after the 98 season, he would have scored 41,000 points. That was what was projected, which would put him first overall in the history of the league. Uh, there's so many different things here that could play that would be in question. And then my point is even bigger. You know, they, there's the debate. LeBron, you know, some people throw Kobe out there. Obviously, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There's many players that people could argue of the greatest of all time. But when you look at this, if he stays in, he doesn't retire. The Bulls win eight championships in a row. Odds are he's going to get another MVP or playoff MVP or something along those those two years as well. Would there even really be an argument for the greatest player of all time? Would there even be a question as to who would be the greatest player on the one of the greatest NBA dynasties of all time? And that's where my big what if is. 
For me, I don't even think it's a question. I, I think he is the greatest of all time. Brian, I, I want to come to you first on this one because if I'm remembering correctly, you were a Hakeem Olajuwon fan? Yes, yes, I'm a big yes. uh, Hakeem fan. Yes. Okay, so Jordan retires 93 after winning the three titles, 94. The Rockets win. 95, the Rockets win, led by Hakeem. Do you see MJ's Bulls taking them down? I, I really do, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I mean, especially 1994, because in 1994, Hakeem Olajuwon was the only all-star on that Rockets team. Um, and so they – I mean, yeah, they, they were the champions. They deserved it. But, man, if they would have had to, to deal with, with Jordan and Pippen, I don't know. I don't know. And then the following season, 95, would have been a little bit closer um, because they, they added Clyde Drexler that year. And so, with you know, with, with Clyde, they may have been able to match up. And maybe it's not as certain. But I think 1994 is just almost a foregone conclusion. I think that, that Jordan and, and Pippen would have, uh, uh, would have taken the, the Rockets out that year. So, yeah, I, I, I agree as well. What I will say about the – the second year of his retirement, 95, he did come back at the end of that season. I don't remember how many games he played in the regular season. And then they went into the playoffs and they got swept by Brett's Orlando Magic, courtesy of Shaq and Penny Hardaway. But if anybody watched those games uh, that he played towards the end of the year and in the playoffs, he was gassed at halftime. He you know, admits now that he was not in basketball shape. He was in baseball shape. And that's two different types of shape. That's not to say he wasn't in good shape, but we're talking completely different kind of. A lot of running. A lot of running cardio for basketball. And then he used that summer in 95 to get back into basketball shape and 96, 97, 98, boom, titles dominated. So, Kevin, what do you think about what Brett was saying there with – Jordan, if if he stayed in all those years, is there even a discussion of LeBron or Kareem or Kobe, or is it just Jordan and that's it? No, I mean I I agree with what Brett said, and um, you know that season before '94, I mean he played his fewest amount of games, um, if I'm not mistaken, he only played 78 games that season, um, and then in the '94 uh, playoffs, there wasn't any really like great teams in the playoffs. The 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 best team got knocked out first round, and that was the Seattle Sonics. Um, and the, the Knicks took them to, to game seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was without Jordan. You put Jordan in there, they, they beat the Knicks, they would destroy the Pacers. Um, and then that would put, um, the Bulls against Houston. And I think the Bulls would have taken Houston. Um, you know, Jordan is, is definitely a game changer and you have to give him extra attention, which leaves other people open more, um. Yeah, I think they definitely would have won, definitely in 94. Uh, he's a dominant player, and losing him was was huge. And just imagine if he hadn't used that summer to get in shape, he probably would have been on that Olympic team in 96, was it, I think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Oh, man, add him to that team, uh, they, they might have been as good as the original Dream Team. But, yeah. all right, let's move on to our next one. That's going to be me. Let me get my background up here. There we go. So in case anybody's wondering, oh, let me move over a little bit so we can see his face there. My what if, (laughs) the babe, my what if is what if Babe Ruth had never been traded by the Boston Red Sox? 
what, what would have happened. So this is called the deal that changed the game. That's literally what they call it, the deal that changed the game. Um, this is the great Bambino, the salt in a swat, the king of crash, the colossus of clout, the colossus of clout. <laughs> um, yeah, Babe, the Babe Ruth. So January 5th, 1920, we are going back 100 years. It's, it's hard to believe that he is just still as well known today. You know, the, the name Babe Ruth has just hung around. But on that day in history, he was traded from the Boston Red Sox to the New York Yankees for the sum of $125,000, which doesn't sound like much now. But back then, that was, yeah. you know, that was a good penny. Um, Bleacher Report ranks this as the second worst trade of all time in sports so that puts it up there the only one I beat it they had uh, Gretzky from the Oilers to the Kings but second all time for this so babe give you a little history here played six seasons in Boston leading them to three World Series titles setting a record of 29 and two-thirds scoreless innings pitched in the World Series he had 306 for his time in Boston with 49 homers and this was as a pitcher so he was a pitcher all but his last season there. He still pitched his last season, but he also played in the outfield there his last season a lot. So he wasn't playing every day until his final season there in Boston. But he did win 89 games for them as a pitcher and a 2.19 ERA um, over his career there, which that's good enough for 17th all time. Think of how many pitchers have pitched in baseball. So, so he gets traded. Um, or he was in Boston. They had the three World Series titles. He gets traded to New York, stops pitching, becomes a full-time outfielder, and then he becomes, as we all know, the greatest home run hitter of all time. Um, he leads New York to seven pennants and four World Series championships, sets the all-time single-season home run record several times. He beats his own record. Um, and he went on to become a 342 hitter. I don't think people realize that this guy's batting average on for his career was 342. That's a, that's outstanding. That's good for 10th all time. Everybody, you think, babe, you think home runs, but quite a hitter. He ranks second all time in OBP, first in slugging, fourth in runs, third in homers, second in RBIs, and third in walks. So 100 years, and he's still dominating all his stats. But the what if comes in at, at this part. From 1920 to 2003, the Boston Red Sox never won a World Series. And it's called the Curse of the Bambino. The Curse of the Bambino took effect. And um, prior, prior to the trade, Boston had won five of the first 15 World Series. So that's pretty incredible. And they won zero after the trade to two, till, all the way till 2004 when the curse was was broken. Um, the Yankees were a joke before this trade. Uh, hard to believe that now. They get them, they become a powerhouse after. Um, they had never made a World Series until they got Babe Ruth. So, and they've won, they won 26 World Series from that trade all the way till 2003. Playing, and they played in 39 of them during that span. And that's the most titles of any North American sports team. So, um, obviously it was big, but a lot of people, you know, say, oh, the curse, man, it's not real, it's just bad luck or whatever. But let me just give you a couple 
couple side notes here, and I'm sorry I'm going to go a little long on this one, but just to show you how why I feel the curse is real. 1946, the Red Sox appeared in the first World Series since the sell of Babe Ruth, and they were favored to beat the Cardinals that year. Went to game seven, tied 3-3. Cardinals playing the Cardinals. The Cardinals had a runner on first base. Guy comes up the bat, gets a double. Johnny Pesky, the shortstop for Boston, his relay throw to home is late, and he hesitated on the throw. And people believe it was because the curse held his arm up, and that allowed the Cardinals to score. And film footage, there is film footage of this occurring, but people say it's inconclusive. Then we move to 1948. Red Sox finished the regular season tied for first place, and they lose the pennant um, to the Cleveland Indians in the major league's first ever one game playoff. So they had, they, they hold that prestige of losing the first ever one game playoff in 1949. They needed to win just one of the last two games of the season to win a pennant, but they lost both games to the Yankees who would go on to record five consecutive world series from there. Then we're going to jump to 1978. They had a 14 game lead in the American league East over the Yankees on July 18. They somehow still, don't make it to the playoffs that year. So that's pretty incredible. And then, of course, one everybody knows, Game 6, 1986 World Series. A little dinky hit, hit down the first baseline, and it goes between Bill Buckner's leg playing first base. Mookie Wilson scores. Mets win, force Game 7, win the World Series. Um, you'd think it would end there, but it didn't. 1988, 1990, 1995, Red Sox are swept out of the playoffs. They set the postseason losing streak to a major league record of 13 straight games. Then in 98, they're defeated by the Yankees four games to one. Um, or they lost to the Indians in 98, 99. The Yankees beat them four games to one. Then we go to 2003. They're playing the Yankees in game seven. Boston has a 5-2 lead in the eighth inning. They blow it. They lose in extra innings. So I believe had this trade of Babe Ruth not happened, um, you know, nothing would have been said about the Red Sox losing. If they tried to keep him, they wouldn't. They could, couldn't afford him. First off, that was part of the reason why they moved him. If they had tried to keep him, they wouldn't have been able to keep anyone else. But so there would have been other reasons why they had lost, and and I don't think it would have changed history so much more. But the what if for me is. Would they have lost for 100 years almost? I'll never, I'll never be able to make that determination. It's, it's too hard for me to say. But I do believe it altered the course of the Yankees. And once they got a player like Babe Ruth, it gave him high profile and everybody wanted to be a Yankee. So I'll let one of you guys jump in on your opinion on that. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, you, you touched on a, lot of, on a lot of what I was going to say as I was listening to you, but I mean, I, you know, what it did for the – how it changed the Boston um, franchise, you, you, you're spot on. And I, but I look at what, what it did and how it changed the Yankees franchise. I mean, we call Yankee Stadium the house that Babe Ruth built. Um, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, and then you look at what happened there in – I believe it was the in the, in the 50s. I, I forget the exact year. Whenever there's three teams in, in New York, there's, a, there's the Giants, there's the Yankees, and there's the Brooklyn Dodgers – and the Giants and the and the, the Dodgers are seen as like the 
the you know the stepchildren or whatever, and they're the ones that go out to California to try and seek their fortunes out there as 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 franchises. Perhaps if things are different, maybe it's the Giants that stay in New York, or maybe it's the Dodgers that stay in New York, and it's the Yankees that end up. We could be talking about the the Los Angeles Yankees right now. Who knows? And, and so, um, you know, not only did it change the fortunes of 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 the Red Sox, it definitely changed the fortunes of the, of the Yankees as well. Brett, I, I, I'm going to ask you a question on this one. Um, a lot of people forget that Babe Ruth's final season actually was with Boston, just not the Red Sox. It was the Boston Braves. A lot of people think that was only done to try and reverse the curse. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to have to agree completely that that was done to try because, I mean, tradition was everything. I mean, tradition is everything in most sports. And when you come down to it, everybody believed it was a curse. I mean, there, there was no doubt about it. And, and especially when you talk to Boston fans, whew, they would tell you until they started their winning ways again, they were certain that is where it started. Everything was done back when this Babe Ruth trade was made. And, you know, if I can touch on a point too, because Brian made some great points. I, I think this trade, not only what if for Boston, but it, changed the landscape of baseball because, I mean, Babe Ruth was one of those players that everybody wanted to come and see. Everybody would pay the money to come and see him. They'd fill up stadiums, as we're talking about, the, you know, the home that Babe Ruth built. I mean, this is the point. And that revenue that the Yankees were able to start bringing in when they got him over there is what helped them sign some of those other players like Lou Gehrig and things like that. I mean, that's it's amazing how this one trade changed the landscape of baseball forever. Kevin, uh, a lot of people say that the curse was reversed in 2004 with the Boston Red Sox doing the, for the first time ever in baseball, coming back three games to none to the Yankees and winning that series. What do you think? Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that reverse the cur the curse because I mean or what did they do really uh to reverse I mean yeah they, they won the series but um I mean if you you look at it Babe Ruth was the greatest hitter of all time and the Red Sox traded him away and he was the home run leader for the longest time until Hank Aaron hit his 715th to pass him up but I mean we're talking Greatest hitter in baseball, I got rid of him. I mean, it definitely changed the landscape, like everyone said. And uh, Brett actually brought up the point that I was going to bring up. If the Yankees don't get Ruth from from Boston, do they bring in those players that they surrounded him with, like the Lou Gehrig and Tony Lazera? I, I don't think that they would have brought in some of those players that they signed. Um, but, I mean, kudos to the 2004 team. I mean, that was – I remember watching that series. Um, they had a, Bloody a great sock. Bloody sock. Yeah, Kurt Schilling with Kurt the, Schilling, the Buddy yeah. Sock. Um, you know, they had a great team. They had all the, all the pieces that they needed. Um, and, and But to come back uh, down uh, three games to none and then beat them in game seven in New York, I mean, it definitely, uh, it definitely helped uh, get rid of those uh, suspicions that the curse was still around. Um, but they, they had a great team that year. Well, let's move on to uh, Brian. Brian, what is your what if? My what if is what if the Browns had never left Cleveland? Um, first off, you start off, why did they leave Cleveland? 
They left Cleveland because um, there was a number of reasons, but the main reason was the owner of the Browns, Art Modell, he wanted Cleveland to the city, the city of Cleveland to build him a new stadium. Um, and so when they refused to do so, um, that's whenever he searched for uh, an alternate route. And ultimately, he moves the team to Baltimore. Um, so I have a number of sort of like little trails that that, that, that that move impacted. So first off, look at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, they retain Ozzie Newsom as their G, as a general manager. And he turns out to be one of the better general managers of the last 25 years. Um, he puts together a team where he drafts Ray Lewis, Peter Boulware, Jamal Lewis. Um, he signs Shannon Sharp. He signs Rod Woodson. And in 2000, um, they're able to put together one of the arguably one of the greatest single season defenses ever. And they win the Super Bowl. And this is only five years after the move. Um, then he goes on and, and, and he, he drafts Ed Reed, Joe Flacco, um, Terrell Suggs, and they do it again. And, and in 2012, they're the Super Bowl champions again. So in, in the 25 years uh, of, the, of the, the Baltimore Ravens, they're able to win two Super Bowls. They're one of the model franchises in the NFL. They've had plenty of success, plenty of playoff success, a great rivalry with the Steelers. Um, and so, um, you know, so first off, that, that part of it, doesn't happen if they don't leave Cleveland. Then you look at who was the Cleveland Browns coach at that time. The Cleveland Browns coach was a guy named Belichick. And Belichick, he had that team going pretty good. Um, in 1994, they had a number one defense. Uh, they went 11-5, and five and they won a playoff game. So they were going pretty good. And even in 1995, before the news broke about the – about the move, they were four and four. They were hanging in there. They were doing pretty well, and then the news breaks in in early November that they're that the team's going to move, and they just fell apart. They end up five and eleven. So Belichick, because of the move, you know, he ends up he ends up leaving. Um, you know, some say he got fired. Some say he just didn't want to coach there. Whatever. We're not sure, but he goes on to the Jets. He spends a little bit of time under his mentor. Um, uh, Bill Parcells with the Jets, and then he goes on in 2000, and he goes to New England. So now that's the second part of 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 what doesn't happen if the if the Browns don't leave Cleveland. Um, the Patriots they become the, the probably the greatest dynasty in NFL history. I mean, they're still going on. They're just they're just finally starting to taper off now, and we're talking you know here in the last 20 25 years, uh, they go six and three in the Super Bowl. They win 31 playoff games. Uh, Belichick has a 676 winning percentage, um, just just dominant, just a dominant dynasty. Um, you know, right right from the get go, he, he takes over the team in 2000, 2001. Boom, they win the Super Bowl. Not only that, you have arguably the greatest NFL player of all time, or at least the the greatest NFL quarterback, gets drafted by Bill Belichick in New England, and that's that's a guy by the name of Tom Brady. Um, so all those things probably don't happen. Now, if you look at the, the actual state of the NFL and like the divisions and where the franchises lie, if the Browns do not leave to go to Baltimore, now there's no need for a new Browns franchise team. Um, and in 2002, when they had 32 teams and they, and they, and they re realigned all the divisions, they would have only had 31 teams. So where does that other team come from? 
Um, you know, do we get a team in, in LA? Because at the time, LA did not have a team. Or do we get a uh, do we get a, uh, a brand new team in Baltimore? Or do we get a team in Toronto or, or OKC? Or there's a number of places where a team could have uh, uh, came about. So you have all those things that that would not have happened had Cleveland not left the um, uh, or had, had the Browns not left Cleveland. And so and and what would have what would you know, getting back to Tom Brady? What would have Tom Brady been? Would I mean would would Belichick have still drafted him? Maybe he, he would would have been a Brown and part of the Browns potential dynasty or, or maybe he's just some guy that, that spent a couple of years on somebody's practice squad and that's it you know you never know um what could have happened but the way i look at it is if this doesn't if this does not occur cleveland had the let's say they had some of the ingredients for a potential dynasty that would have made maybe rivaled what we actually did see in new england because they had a gm uh, Ozzie Newsom, they had the the arguably the greatest head coach of all time in Bill Belichick. So uh, it's tough to say. And, and, and then, you know, of course, they, they might have gotten a goat, Tom Brady. So, um, you know, looking at things, uh, the way things unfolded, the last 25 years of the NFL would have been just vastly different if this did not occur. That is quite a trickle-down effect had that not occurred. Wow. That's some good information there. You don't even think about how far that goes out, you know, with, with Brady and Belichick. Um, mm-hmm. Brett, uh, I, let me ask you this first. If there's any city that should know what it's like to lose a football team, it would be Baltimore. They lost the Colts. So do you think they should have said no to the Cleveland Browns coming there? I mean, that's tough to decide because you've got to look at all the different factors that play into a team moving. Uh, and I mean, I think the team, I think the city was just wanting another team back. Um, I, I could tell you as a fan standpoint, uh, if, the, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were ever to be taken, I'd be rooting for the first team that wanted to come back here and restart. Um, now, given we all know what comes with restarting a complete franchise over, which is like Brian touched on great points with it. Um, and I think I just think that's where it's difficult because I mean, Baltimore or the Browns shifted to Baltimore had that immediate success. Again, we're talking one of the greatest NFL defensive players to ever play the game. Ray Lewis could have been on Cleveland on the Browns. And um, it is, it's something that again, a great, what if. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think? Does Cleveland, uh, do they become, I'm not going to say a dynasty, but at least a, a more competitive team than than what they have been? Um, I mean, it's it's interesting that, um, you know, they leave Cleveland and, I mean, they were, they, were, they had some successful years there. Um, and I remember, you know, the rivalry with Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, there were some good uh, games, um, you know, the team moving and then actually getting a team back, I think actually hurt the city more uh, financially, mentally. I mean, in January of 2018, like uh, going into that, that month, they had lost 34 of the last 35 games. Uh, and then they, they got a tax extension on the city to, to make the taxpayers pay for a new stadium. Uh, and then they put like the worst team in the NFL onto the field. Um, people were actually seen wearing paper bags over their heads. Um so, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, I think they definitely got the short end of the stick by losing the team that they had. Um, uh, but bringing that team back, like, I mean, even now, I mean, they're, 
they're better, but they're still not performing to what they should be performing based on what they have on paper. Um, and I, I think it was, it was unfair and, and kind of crappy for Cleveland to get their team swept out from underneath them. Um, and it definitely changed the dynamics of football in Cleveland. Um, but Baltimore should be happy. <laughs> Brian, I, mean, I think another, another point I was going to say was, um, you know, you just think about the longevity that those important pieces, you know, you're, you, you want your general manager to, to be able to spend a long time and be able to, to, to go through his entire winning formula. Same with the head coach. And, and Aussie Newsom just retired a couple of years ago, you know, so he lasted all that time. And then Bill Belichick is still going now. So, you, it, it, but then you look at what actually happened whenever Cleveland, you know, whenever they got their new, their new franchise. I mean, they've gone through, I don't even know how many general managers and head coaches since then and quarterbacks. I mean, it's just been, you know, you could fill a, you could fill a big room with all the, all the different personnel that, they, that they've had. Uh, and, and that's really a, a big part of why they've struggled so much is because there's just not that continuity of, of the same guys and the same, you know, that are, that are running things uh, year after year. It, it's new guys every year. It's learn a new system, learn a new, learn every, you know, everybody's new all the time. And so it, it, it's so difficult to get things going. Brian, that was, what I was, I was going to kind of touch on that with you. I wanted to hear what you had to say, because you had mentioned, you know, if Belichick had stayed, maybe they draft Tom Brady. How many quarterbacks have the Browns gone through? I mean, I'm sure you could name probably 10 off your head, right? Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, we've always seen, we've all seen that famous Jersey where the guy has uh, the Tim Couch Jersey. And then there's like all the nameplates, like 30 something odd nameplates all the way down to Baker Mayfield uh, of all the different Browns starting quarterbacks that they've had since they, since they came back. Um, and, and so, you know, I got those numbers if you want to hear them. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Let's yeah. hear that yeah. because that was something that interested me when uh, you were talking about the quarterback and Tom Brady. That there, from 1999 to 2016, uh, there had been 27 different starting quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns. Right, right. Um, it's probably well over 30 now. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, it definitely mm -hmm. is. Um, and then you look at Baltimore in that same time span, and Baltimore only had 12. Uh, they were a little flexible throughout the 2000s, you know, but obviously we know Flacco came in and he was the guy. But, I mean, the Browns, I, I think when I was even looking at the list, there was only one starter uh, in a season that had played 14 or more games. They never had somebody complete a whole entire season. It was unreal. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's that's just, incredible. Yeah, it's so much, so much struggle, and and I mean, it, it, it's hard to get anywhere. And so then, you know, does the O and sixteen season happen? Probably not. Does I mean, you know, a lot of the, just a lot of the the blunders and the and the follies that we've seen from that franchise probably never happen. Twenty seven different quarterbacks. That's why they call it the mistake by the lake. I mean, that's that's incredible. <laughs> so, all right, let's uh, let's move on to our honorable mention section. Um, we'll go in the same order. So, uh, Kevin, we're going to start with you. And for your honorable section, it is what if Mary Lemieux hadn't got cancer? And we're all just going to take like a minute, minute and a half, and, and just uh, talk about our honorable mention. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we had a um, the Gretzky versus Lemieux or, uh, podcast earlier. Um, you know, he had all those back issues and then 93, he gets diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, had to go into chemotherapy treatments. Um, 
1993. And during that season, he was chasing uh, Gretzky's record for goals in a season and points, 92 goals and 215 points in a season. Um, but he had to miss two months of that season. Uh, even though he missed those two months in that season, he still won the NHL scoring title, only playing 60 games. And he scored 160 points in 60 games. That's almost three points a game. Um, that is amazing. Um, and then, unfortunately, you know, the following year he took off. I had to take medical leave of absence because of uh, he was just getting tired, fatigued uh, because of the radiation treatment from the cancer. Um, but then he did end up, you know, returning the season after that uh, to win um, the Art Ross Trophy. Uh, before he ultimately announced his retirement in, in 97. Um, but, I mean, the player, he was one of the best players to ever play the game. And what if he he didn't get that, that cancer and miss a whole season and whatnot? Would he have broken more of Gretzky's records? I think so. I have to agree. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think he probably breaks 200 points at least. You know, I mean, that, that that's never yeah. been broken by anyone else. I'm not mistaken. No one else but Gretzky's ever gotten 200 in a season. So I think maybe Mary has got a good shot of doing that. Yeah. All right. All right, Brett, your uh, honorable mention, what if? What if Michael Jordan, who you had earlier, doesn't retire the second time? <laughs> All right. Um, so you look at the Bulls' 1998 season. They were 62-20. and 20. Uh, The team actually set the NBA record for most wins over a three-year span, uh, 203 wins and 43 losses. Um, Jordan was averaging 28.7 points a game uh, in that 1998 season, which by today's standards would be phenomenal. Um, obviously, they won the championship that year. And then again, he retired. Was it the, the physicality on his body of three more championship runs? I mean, I know that championship runs can beat people up. Um, was it that? Was it a, a just I want to be home with family? Nobody truly knows. Uh, you can all speculate, but with those numbers, I, I just feel like if he comes back in the, the following season or beyond uh, instead of just jumping to the Wizards a few years later. I, I honestly don't see a team. I know that there were some up and coming teams again, uh, but I don't know if I see a team that could challenge them and Jordan. Again, we're talking about my personal opinion, the greatest ever. That could challenge them in a seven-game series. So I actually do think they get another championship and at least one in the next uh, two to three years if he plays. I agree. At least one, maybe two, and changes history. He doesn't. He only left because Phil Jackson was leaving. If they kept that band together, Phil Jackson doesn't go to the Lakers, and we don't get Shaq and Kobe, uh, you know, winning their titles. So. One little move changes history. So, mm -hmm. Brian, let's move on to you next. It looks like I cut off half of Elway's head here, but uh, you've got what if John Elway had stayed with the team that drafted him, the Colts? Right. So, I mean, the reason why Elway did not want to play for the Colts, the Baltimore Colts, was because he sort of saw the writing on the wall. And it, was, it wasn't even so much him, it was more his dad, um, you know, giving him advice. And he said, you know, look, this, this franchise is not healthy right now. Uh, it's not looking good. And ultimately, he was right. The Baltimore Colts ended up leaving in the 
uh, you know, in the still of the night and, and, and then they go out to Indianapolis. So um, if Elway stays with, with the Colts, there's one of two things could happen. Either he stays with them and he's, and he does so well that the Colts end up not moving. Now that one's kind of a little bit far-fetched. I don't think that happens because I think the writing was already on the wall. The other thing that happens is John Elway was one heck of a baseball player and he was drafted he was drafted in major league. So I think that that the latter is probably more um, accurate. It, it's that he goes to baseball and maybe he ends up, you know, being, a, being a star or some, you know, an all-star um, uh, maybe even a you know, world series, who knows, but uh, he had a lot of potential uh, on the baseball side of things. I'm pretty sure it was the Yankees that drafted him, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he would have been there with, uh, believe Mattingly and, and, Winfield, Reg oh. Jackson, yeah. So Rick, he would Ricky Anderson, Anderson, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Anderson, you know. That, that's a that's another big what football what if. Look what it did for Denver, him going to oh. Denver. So. Right, right. I mean, the, the Denver franchise. You think, yeah, exactly. You think of what, about what he did for them. I mean, they're they've gone to it's five Super Bowls. Well, it's five Super Bowls with Elway, um, and so. Do they even have a ring right now? Does that even does that even happen? I mean, he he was even the owner whenever they won the Super Bowl here most recently. Yes. So mm-hmm. uh, is who even or not the owner, but the, the GM? Yeah. You know, who, yeah. who, who even is the you know who even is the GM in Denver right now? If that doesn't occur, it's tough to say. Yeah, see, there's one thing I don't like about that that whole situation though. Is you got drafted by that team, and then you kind of slap them in the face because you don't want to play with play for them, kind of like Eli Manning did to the Chargers. And, you know, you could say, what what if that didn't happen with the Giants that won a Super Bowl, too? But uh, I think it's a disservice to the draft when you when you refuse to go to the team that drafted you. I, I get that. But I, I think with I think Elway's is a little bit different because this, the Chargers weren't in the same kind of state as the Baltimore Colts were. The Baltimore Colts were like, you know, you could definitely see the writing on the wall. That franchise was not in good shape at all. And so it was just a business move. I don't think it was anything personal from Neil Ways. It was just a business move. Like, look, I don't want to be, I don't want to get on a sinking ship. Right, right, right. Okay, let's move on to our last honorable mention. That's going to be mine. And it's, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? (laughs) What if The Rock had never gone to Hollywood? This is uh, one of the biggest what ifs in wrestling. You know, Rock was several-time world champion. He had all those great matches with Stone Cold Steve Austin and, of course, Triple H. And, you know, he was still on top uh, when he decided to take the pin for Brock Lesnar, kind of passing the torch on to Brock Lesnar. Um, And he, you know, left, went pretty much full-time Hollywood. He'd come back every few years and just do one match, like at, at WrestleMania or something. Uh, you know, just for the fans and because for the love of the sport, he, re- he really, truly does love wrestling. But uh, so he passed the torch to Brock Lesnar, who then out of nowhere, he just up and retires from wrestling at like, I want to say he was maybe like 23, 24 years old. Very young Brock Lesnar retires. It kind of left WWE with uh, no top star, which forced them to create new stars. Um, obviously. Um, so, you know, it was Edge showed up, you know, became a big star. John Cena really took hold. Uh, Batista, Dave Batista, big actor now, of course. But, you know, they took over kind of the reins of WWE. Randy Orton got real big, too. 
So the, the what if comes though, if the Rock had stayed, how many classic matches could he have had with these guys and how many more titles could he have had? Now, right now it's always debated, you know, when we had our wrestling show, we said that the, the top four was Hogan, Flair, Rock, and Austin. So they're all definitely up there. If the Rock had stayed and not gone to Hollywood, he's going to beat them all in title wins. And he's going to get even bigger than he already was. You figure you put another 10 years on him. He's probably more known than Hogan at that point. Um, and probably making more money than Austin made during Austin's big run. So it's, it's a pretty big what if from WWE. Obviously, The Rock kind of, I'm going to say he made the right decision. Uh, yeah. He's probably the, the, the biggest actor in, in, uh, in, in Hollywood, uh, at least as far as, you know, action uh -huh. films go. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's my honorable mention. So, um, Kevin... I know you were a big fan of The Rock. You had his uh, post couple. He had poster up in your in in your room of him. You, do you think that uh, maybe that dream match would have happened with Shawn Michaels had he hung around, even though uh, he didn't like him? Yeah, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be the first time. Well. I mean, back then it would have been the first time probably that he worked with somebody he didn't like. But he's had, you know, a feud with people in Hollywood too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you have two of your biggest wrestlers go up against each other? I mean, that's the marquee matchups. I mean, there's been other wrestlers that couldn't stand each other and they, they faced off against each other. I mean, your two biggest wrestlers, it's going to bring in probably the biggest crowds that you could get. Uh, yeah, so I would say if he would have stuck, stuck around, it probably would have happened. I see Vince getting that done. I do. Yeah. The ultimate talker, Vince McMahon. So, All right, well, I'm thank wondering you. if maybe, like, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking on the other side of this. Maybe The Rock's kind of you know, his his act kind of gets a little bit played out if he's if he's in wrestling for another ten years, and maybe he's not quite as big of a star as as what we kind of think that he would be, because you, you know that there's a certain shelf life for you know a certain act, and Maybe I mean it's like it's kind of hard to imagine, but it's like he it's, it seems like he left at the height of his popularity. Um, so we never really we'll never really know if he would have sort of faded. Well, yeah, I believe mean, the height of his popularity could have helped his Hollywood career. True, I mean he really only went from about ninety seven to oh four, even probably before oh four he was um, almost all the way out. So it wasn't the longest run. I mean, you look at somebody like Cena, he was on top from pretty much 2004 to 2018, really. So, you know, it was a good 15-year run. I think they could have got another 10 years out of the Rock being on top. Then, then yeah, I definitely think. But he's also one of those guys who probably could have modified his character to continue to make it relevant. You know, he has so much talent. What if uh, they kept him as a bad guy? Uh, when he when it when he when he left, then he was a bad guy. When he lost to Brock, he was a bad guy. So, but yeah. anyways, we want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. This was a special show where there was no winner picked. So we we hope you enjoyed us just having a conversation about it, and we hope that you'll continue to to watch our show. And uh, we thank you to everyone who has done it, who has been watching. And and I'm going to throw out this trivia question as our final thing for tonight. 
Got to answer all parts of the question as usual. Throw your comments in on the Facebook page. You got to be a member of the Facebook group to win. So here is the trivia question for tonight. Name the three actors who the producers wanted to cast as Rocky in the 1976 film instead of Sylvester Stallone. And what was the name of the real life boxer the character was based on? So you get those right, throw them in the comments section. We'll get a prize mount out to you. So thank you for watching. Everyone have a great night. Good night. God bless. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.